Welcome to the Global Missions Inc. Podcast. Today's episode features Andy Snoke with a teaching on the lessons from King Josiah. If you'd like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please email us at info at globalmissionsinc.org. Josiah was truly a unique king. Second Kings 23-25 provides an accurate portrayal of King Josiah as quoted. Now before him, there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might, according to all the law of Moses. Nor after him did any arise like him, 2 Kings twenty three twenty five. Josiah ascended into kingship at the tender age of eight years old after the murder of his father, Ammon. This was not uncommon to be thrust into rulership at an early age. Josiah, though, containing noble blood, he did not have a godly line of men in his pedigree. His grandfather, King Manasseh, was a godless, evil ruler. King Manasseh was 12 years old when he began to reign as a king, and he reigned for 55 years in Jerusalem. The Bible says that Manasseh, quote, did evil in the sight of the Lord according to the abominations of the nations whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel. That's 2 Chronicles 33.2. King Manasseh erected high altars to demons known as high places, false gods, idols. He even placed demonic altars in the house of God. Now listen to this. His father, or King Manasseh, Sacrificed by fire, which means he actually offered as a human sacrifice two of his own sons as an offering to his idols. He burned them to death. I don't think I'd want to attend any uh, (coughs) family dinners with King Manasseh. Manasseh was 12 years old, I'm reading from the scriptures here, when he became king. He ruled for 55 years in Jerusalem. In God's opinion, he was a bad king, an evil king. He reintroduced all the moral rot and spiritual corruption that had been scoured from the country when God dispossessed the pagan nations in favor of the children of Israel. He rebuilt the sex and religion shrines that his father Hezekiah had torn down. He built altars and images for the god Baal and Asherah, and worshiped the cosmic powers, taking orders from the constellations. He built shrines to the cosmic powers and placed them in both courtyards of the temple of God, the very Jerusalem temple dedicated exclusively by God's decree to God's name. He did a lot of evil, the Second Chronicles 33, 1-9. <coughs> Excuse me. How sad that King Manasseh, called on every false God in the universe, but he would never call on the true God, the only true God of all. God would eventually judge all of Israel for their failure in serving him. King Manasseh had continued to lead Israel further from the truth into sin. King Josiah's father Ammon would have been a witness to all of this, to this idolatry and darkness that his own father Manasseh had brought, Ammon 
which was King Josiah's father, was no better than Amazon's own father, King Manasseh. Like the old saying goes, like father, like son. Ammon, the Bible says, Second Chronicles 33, 21, Ammon was 22 years old when he became king. He reigned in Jerusalem for two years. He did evil in the eyes of the Lord as his father Manasseh had done. Ammon worshiped and offered sacrifices to all the idols Manasseh had made. But unlike his father Manasseh, he did not humble himself before the Lord. Ammon increased his guilt. Ammon's officials conspired against him and assassinated him in his palace. Continuing on, the Bible says it's from this environment that King Josiah is born. Uh, he is only he is only known of and seen a father or a kingdom and a nation follow and worship false gods. There's no word of God in Josiah's home. In fact, the Holy Scriptures at this point in time are not to be found anywhere in the nation. The nation Israel has become a lost nation without the guidance of the word of God. When Josiah is suddenly thrust into the kingship at eight years old, he has had everything stacked up against him, it would appear. He's got everything going wrong. Going, everything is against him. He did not have the teachings of a righteous and moral father to fall back on. He did not have a godly influence of a moral grandfather to lean on. His father and grandfather, they were evil. They were godless, for whom God would ultimate, ultimately judge the entire nation because of their sin. I thank God that most of you, if not all of you that are listening to this uh, message uh, this evening at Young People's, you have godly parents and thank God for it. King Josiah did not. And he's thrust into the, into rulership at eight years old. With all of that, with all that was stacked against Josiah at a tender age, the hand of God was mightily upon him and his character. The Bible opens with this wonderful new description of King Josiah in Second Chronicles 34. Josiah was eight years old when he became king, and he reigned in Jerusalem 31 years. He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord and followed the ways of his father David, not turning aside to the right or to the left, Second Chronicles 34, 1-2. Young people and old, as you read the scripture, I encourage you to always do right in the eyes of the Lord. My grandson has a, a plaque in his bedroom hanging on the wall. It's a quotation from St. Augustine long ago. It goes like this. Listen to this. Right is right, even if no one is doing it. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. Let's all be more like King Josiah. The prophet prophesied woe, Isaiah, to those that chose evil over good. Isaiah said this in Isaiah 5.20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe, woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Isn't that true today? If you take a stand for God today, people make fun of you. They ridicule you. We truly live in a day when men call good evil and they call evil good. A key verse appears in Second Chronicles 34, verse 3, that's very important. In fact, it is only half of that verse 
This first sets in motion the reforms that were soon to come to the nation of Israel in response to the actions of young Josiah. But the scripture says this, in the eighth year of his reign of Josiah, when he was young, Josiah began to seek the God of his father, David. That's so important. That changed everything right there when when King Josiah began to seek the God of his father, David. Life changes for you and I when we begin to seek the God of our father. When we begin to seek God, everything changes in our life. Think about that scripture for a moment. In the eighth year of King Josiah's reign, it's the Bible says, Josiah was eight when he became king. Now, eight years later, Josiah is 16, 16 years old. At 16 years old, he began to seek the God of his father, David. Young people reading this and listening to this, God can change a nation by the faith of a 16-year-old boy or girl. Wisdom comes with age, no doubt, but God can use the faithfulness and devotion of young people to do momentous things. Daniel, the prophet Daniel, was 16 or 17 when he was taken into Babylon and he became a tremendous prophet, giving counsel to the leaders of empires. Mary, the mother of Jesus, was probably, get this, 16 or 17 when the angels announced that she was chosen to be the mother of Jesus. Jesus was 12 when he confounded and amazed the rabbis in the temple with his wisdom. And we're reading here that King Josiah, while he was young, 16 years old, began to seek God. God loves young people. He loves middle-aged people. He loves old people, senior people. He uses all of us. Ironically, the scriptures record that King Josiah began to, quote, seek the God of his father, David. He did not seek the God of his father, Ammon, his his next in line, or his grandfather, Manasseh, because they were evil. He began to seek the God of a righteous king and father, David. We should all seek out godly influences in our lives. Look for them. They are there. They're in your home, mom and dad. They're in your church, your elders, traveling ministries. The Apostle Paul always strove to be an example for others to follow as they knew that many were watching his life. Paul said, 1 Corinthians 11, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. King Josiah must have craved to have the example of a godly leader to pattern his life after. He didn't have it. This is a reminder to us all that we should all be wor- should all work at being examples to others. The Bible has much to say about being an example. I'll just give you a few scriptures. Matthew 5:14. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it in a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. First uh, Peter 2.12, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. John 13.35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples, Jesus said, 
if you have love one for another. At the age of 20, King Josiah began to purge Judah and Jerusalem from the multitude of idols. At 20 years old now, he's still moving forward with reforms, with changing his life and changing the nation of Israel. This young king meant business. He had all the idols that had been there for generations chopped down, and there were many idols. In fact, it took about six years of his life uh, devoted to eradicating all of the idols. They were everywhere. King Josiah commanded that the idols be broken down and pulverized into powder. He would not take a chance of having an idol hidden and repurposed sometime later. And he turned them into dust. Then he took the dust of the idols and he scattered them over the graves of those that once worshipped these idols. Josiah ransacked the sepulchers, the graves of idolatrous priests, and burned their bones on the heathen altars before demolishing the altars, as Second Kings twenty three sixteen. He meant business. Josiah put away, it says, which most likely means he had executed the mediums and soothsayers and psychics and magicians who made a living promoting their demonic influences, 2 Kings 23-24. Josiah knew that because of the sins of his grandfather Manasseh, God would still ultimately have to pour out his wrath upon Israel as he had promised. The nation would still go into a 70-year captivity as promised. Josiah knew that ultimately his actions of purging the nation would not bring them back into the full favor of God. Josiah was not bargaining with God, with the Lord. He was not negotiating with the Lord. He was not saying, Lord, if I do this, if you do that, I'll do this. The actions that Josiah was taking were being done simply because it was the right thing to do. Second Kings 23, 26, nevertheless, the Lord did not turn away from the heat of his fierce anger, which burned against Judah because of all of all that Manasseh had done to arouse his anger. So the Lord said, I will remove Judah also from my presence as I removed Israel, and I will reject Jerusalem, the city I chose, and this temple about which I said my name shall be there. God promised that punishment was still going to come ultimately. It didn't come during Josiah's life, though. What lessons might we learn from Josiah at this point in the scriptures? We learn that Josiah found it important to remove, not just ignore, completely all idols from the nation. The question is, what idols do we have today that need to be removed? We may not have physical idols made out of gold and silver, or or we might, but modern idols can also be the stinking thinking, the worldly philosophy that's all around us. I don't know if mankind has ever been more confused than they are today. In fact, if you go against the philosophy of the hour, you are ridiculed, ostracized, considered that there's something wrong with you. Once again, in the words of St. Augustine, right is right, even if no one is doing it. Wrong is wrong, even if everyone is doing it. Billy Sunday once said, I believe that a long step towards public morality will be taken when sins are called by their right names. We hide sin 
We make excuses for it. We give nice names to sinful behavior. Once again, Isaiah the prophet was right on target when he said, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, and put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and clever in their own sight. Isaiah 5, 20 to 21. Moving forward, I'm sure that King Josiah was met with opposition from a nation that had fallen into love with demonic idol worship. Yet for at least six years, he painstakingly removed, burned, pulverized anything that diverted attention towards God. Centuries later, a similar thing would happen with Paul in Ephesus. The Ephesians had just received the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ. Many in the city made their living by practicing sorcery. And after receiving Christ, the city of Ephesus brought all of their books on sorcery and pornography and burned them publicly. They got rid of it, just like King Josiah did. They decided that they couldn't just put it aside. They had to burn it. They had to destroy it. They had to get rid of it. They had to remove everything that was an idol that took attention away from God in Ephesus. Just as Josiah had destroyed all of the idols that diverted attention to God, the value of the burned books in Ephesus was equivalent to the average wages of one person for 138 years. Acts 19, verse 18. Many of these Ephesians who believed in the cross now came and openly confessed what they had done. They repented. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. That's the average wages of a man for 138 years. In a similar fashion, Billy Sunday once said, there are some so-called Christian homes today with books on the shelves of the library that have no more business there than a rattler, crack, a rattling snake crawling about on the floor or a poison within the child's reach. My question to us is what idols do we have in our homes that we need to destroy? Not hide, not cover up, but destroy. Josiah at the age of 26 saw the importance of restoring and repairing the temple for proper worship. Money is given to the carpenters and workers to restore the temple for worship. Idols are removed on two occasions. It's interesting that Jesus cleansed this same temple later on two different occasions. The lesson here is that it took work and effort to prepare the temple that had been neglected. It takes work and effort for us to worship the Lord. It takes money. It takes sacrifice to worship the Lord. When we worship, we're blessed beyond measure, but it also costs us something of ourselves. It should cost something. It doesn't cost a lot to watch the, to be, to be a part of this young people's, uh, uh, this year because it's online, but it costs you time. It costs you attention. When you meet in person, it costs you money to travel and time. When we worship God, it shouldn't always just be easy. It should cost us something. Arana 
had offered to King David free of charge oxen for a burnt offering to the Lord. King David would not accept it free of charge as he knew that it must cost him, David, something to serve the Lord with. This is in 2 Samuel 24th chapter, 22nd verse. Arana said to David, quote, let my Lord the king take whatever he wishes and offer it up for a sacrifice. Here are oxen for the burnt offering and here are threshing sledges and ox yokes for the wood. Your majesty, Arana, gives all of this to the king. Arana also said to him, may the Lord your God accept you. But King David replied to Arana, quote, no, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Even our worship has to cost us something. So David brought the threshing floor and the oxen and paid 50 shekels of silver for them, 2 Samuel 24, 22. As the temple was being restored and repaired by the order of young King Josiah, one of the workers discovers a portion of the word of God, a portion. Many scholars feel that it was probably or possibly the book of Deuteronomy, very possibly in the actual handwriting of Moses. Of course, we can never know this for sure. At this time, the scriptures appear to have been lost to those in Jerusalem. No society or people are as lost in total darkness as those that do not have the word of God. The centuries of following false idols had caused the word of God in Jerusalem to go underground, to become hidden. That There is no darkness like a society that doesn't have the word of God. After reading the scriptures, King Josiah, now it's interesting because Josiah was not accustomed to reading the scriptures because they weren't there. He had a godly, uh, uh, an evil grandfather and an evil father, and the word of God was not in his home. After he read the scriptures, the portion of the scriptures, King Josiah was at first in agony as he realized how far the nation had wandered from God. He may have read Deuteronomy 28, he may have, which speaks of the blessings and curses that are a result of either obeying God or disobeying God. These were real blessings and real curses for Israel. And I must add these, these are real blessings and curses for any nation or people, including you and I. It's lengthy, lengthy, but permit me to include some of these scriptures for our reference here. I'm going to read to you from Deuteronomy 28, verse 1 through 25, at least part of it. If you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully follow all of his commands, I will give you today the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations on earth. All these blessings will come on you and accompany you if you obey the Lord your God. You'll be blessed in the city. You'll be blessed in the country. The fruit of your womb will be blessed. The crops of your land, your work, the young of your livestock, the calves of your herds, the lambs of your flocks. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be blessed. You will bless when you come in. You'll be blessed when you go out. The Lord will grant that your enemies who rise against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. 
The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. The Lord your God will bless you the land he is giving you. The Lord will establish you as his holy people as he promised you an oath. If you keep the commands of the Lord your God and walk in obedience to him, then all the peoples on earth will see that you are called by the name of the Lord and they will fear you. The Lord will grant you abundant prosperity and the fruit of your womb, the young of your livestock, the crops of your ground, and the land he swore to the ancestors, to your ancestors to give you. The Lord will open the heavens, the storehouse of his bounty, to send rain on your land in seasons and to bless all the works of your hands. You will lend to many nations, but you will borrow from none. The Lord will make you the head and not the tail, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be the top and never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of the commands I give you today, to the right or to the left, following other gods and serving them. And then, I won't read all of it, but then he uses the exact same things in reverse, same truths. However, verse 15 If you do not obey the Lord your God and you do not carefully follow all of his commands and decrees I'm giving you today, all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. And then he goes through the same list. You will be cursed in the city. You will be cursed in the country. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be cursed. The fruit of your womb will be cursed. The crops of your land, the calves of your herds and the lambs of your flock. You will be cursed when you come in and cursed when you go out. And it goes on and on and on. King Josiah must have read that and saw that we are cursed because we have not obeyed as a nation the word of God. And I want to say today that a nation will be cursed if they don't follow the word of God. And as individuals, we can be cursed if we don't obey the word of God. I think the Lord that today, King Josiah had a portion of the Old Testament. He had a portion, possibly the part of the book of Deuteronomy. It changed his life. It changed all of Israel. We have the whole Bible. I've got an iPad here with several translations of the Bible right there at my fingertip. I can change the translation. i got a closet full of Bibles. We are so blessed with the word of God today, with the availability of the word of God. And I'd like to say, read it and apply it to your life. The lesson for us today is at the age of 26, King Josiah fell in love with the word of God. He read it. He analyzed it. He repented of any disobedience to the scriptures. He intercedes on behalf of his nation. And then he proclaimed and read the scriptures to Israel so that they would know what the scriptures teach. Let's read the Bible. Let's study it. Let us all fall in love with the word of God. Let us apply it to our lives and use it as a guiding light for all that we do. Let us believe what is written in the scriptures. Let us teach the holy scriptures to our children and to our children's children. Second Chronicles 34, verse 29 Then the king Josiah called together all the elders of Judah and Jerusalem. He went up to the temple of the Lord with the people of Judah, the inhabitants of Jerusalem, the priests and the Levites, all the people from the least to the greatest. He read in their hearing all the words of the book of the covenant, which had been found in the temple of the Lord. 
The king stood by his pillar, renewed the covenant in the presence of the Lord to follow the Lord and to keep his commands, statutes, and decrees with all of his heart and all of his soul and to obey the words of the covenant written in this book. He made a covenant to God. Then he had everyone in Jerusalem and Benjamin pledge themselves to it. The people of Jerusalem did this in accordance with the covenant of God, the God of their ancestors, 2 Chronicles 34, 29 to 22. You know, in this meeting and in this day, I would challenge all of us to renew that covenant, just like King Josiah did, to make that pledge to God, to make that covenant, that pledge to keep his commands his statutes, his decrees, to love him with all of his heart and all of his soul, and to obey the words of God, the words of the covenant written in the book. We don't know, but King Josiah may have been inspired by what he may have read in Deuteronomy 6, which is good advice for us today. It goes like this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. King Josiah didn't have that advantage. His father didn't impress anything on his heart. God had to do it. But it says in Deuteronomy, impress them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up, tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates, Deuteronomy 6, 4 to 9. King Josiah sent a servant, Hilkiah, to the prophetess, prophetess to ascertain what these scriptures meant. The prophetess, spoke truthfully and prophetically of the curse that was still come to the nation because of their unfaithfulness, but also the kindness and grace that God had bestowed on Josiah because of his tender and godly heart. Holda the prophetess said this, King Josiah, because your heart was responsive and you humbled yourself before God, when you heard what he spoke against this place and his people, and because you humbled yourself, before me, and tore your robes and wept in my presence. I have heard you, says the Lord. Now I will gather you to your ancestors, and you'll be buried in peace. Your eyes will not see all the disaster that I'm going to bring on this place and on those who live here. So they took this answer back to the king, Second Chronicles 34, verse 27. We are blessed today to have the word of God, not just a portion of the book of Deuteronomy, but all 66 books. We are also blessed today because Jesus has gone to the cross, was crucified and resurrected and offered to us grace, forgiveness, mercy. But there are many truths in this story, far more truths than what I can recite, and we haven't even covered all of the story. There's far more to the story than what we're speaking of today, but let's review a few truths that came out of these scriptures. Number one, God can call a man or a woman, a boy or a girl, for his purpose at any age. Think about it. When did the Lord call you? 
How old were you? Can you remember when that happened? Josiah was only eight when he was called to be a king. Billy Sunday once said this, the Lord is not compelled to use theologians. (laughs) He can take snakes, sticks, or anything else and use them for the advancement of his cause. The same is true for using an eight-year-old boy to serve as a king. Number two, Josiah proved that his past history of evil and the ungodliness of his father and grandfather did not define Josiah's future. Our past does not define our future. C.S. Lewis once said, quote, You cannot go back and change the beginning. You start where you are, and you can change the ending, unquote. You cannot go back and change the beginning. You start where you are, and you can change the ending. When you have a minute, read Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Philippians 3, 13 to 14. Number three, Josiah learned to choose at a young age to turn his heart towards God. The Bible says, Now before him there was no king like him who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and with all of his soul. 2 Kings 23, 25. That made all the difference in the world. He had everything stacked against him. His father, his grandfather, no scriptures, no godly home. But he turned his heart towards the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul. And that is what made the difference in his life and in Israel. This is a pledge that we need to make every day, to turn our hearts towards the Lord with all of our heart and with all of our soul. Number four, Josiah chose to destroy all the idols that stood in the way of serving God. The Bible says, therefore, come out from them, And be separate, says the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, 2 Corinthians 6, 17. He destroyed all the idols. What idols do we have in our lives today? What idols do we need to get rid of? Do we need to destroy? Number five, Josiah invested in worship. He restored and repaired the temple that was neglected and broken down. Is your worship neglected? Is our time with the Lord neglected? It's been a little challenging during the the pandemic to get together to camp meetings for worship, but invest in worship as Josiah did. Number six, Josiah fell in love with the word of God, and he obeyed it. When he found the word of God, he fell in love with it. First, the Bible says he tore his clothes in agony because he realized how disobedient the nation had been. But he fell in love with the word of God. And then he had had them read the entire book, whatever he had, the book of Deuteronomy to all the people in Israel. Can you imagine going going out to the public square and standing up and reading the book of Deuteronomy out loud? How many people you think would listen to you. And they were so hungry for the word of God that he commanded that everyone listen uh, to what was being said in the word of God. And then they all made a covenant to God. 
Number seven, Josiah called upon a spiritual leader in that day for advice, and there weren't very many spiritual leaders. It happened to be Huldah, the prophetess. You and I should easily call upon spiritual leadership in our local assemblies for advice. Don't be afraid to call for leadership. And then the last one is, Josiah chose to do what was right, even though no one was doing right in his day. He still chose to do what was right. Let's you and I choose to do what is right as we have the cross standing before us. Let's bow let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the life of King Josiah, and we thank you that you have recorded it in the scriptures that we can read from it. We thank you, God, that unlike King Josiah, many of us, if not all of us, have had the blessings of having godly people in our home, parents in our home, and godly elders. We thank you, Lord, for these advantages that you have given us. Like King Josiah, we commit our way to you. We make a covenant with you to seek you with all of our hearts, dear Lord, and all of our mind and all of our strength and all of our soul. Dear Lord, it is our desire, not for selfish reasons, but it is, it is our desire to obey you that so that you can bless us. We do not desire to disobey you so that you would curse us. We desire to obey you, and we pray that you help us to be obedient. Amen. And God bless you all. If you would like more information about the moving of God's Spirit or resources for your spiritual life, please visit our website at www.globalmissionsinc.org.